Tonight's show is brought to you by the infinite wisdom of the universe. Vendetti Optics and you, our listeners. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican squirrel. is up all of you wayward souls and welcome back to the wayward stories podcast wayward stories is the podcast where we tell the tales of our adventures in our wanderings and our wonderings how have you guys been for the last couple of weeks it's been a while since we've talked um i know i hope you guys enjoyed last week's classic that we brought back from the vault so to speak um it's actually been heavily downloaded so i'm gonna assume that as I'd kind of gleaned from looking at all the statistics um, as they you know roll in every week, that, you know, not a lot of the new listeners, which is, you know, the preponderance of our listeners now are newer listeners because it's really starting to get rolling, you know, um, that you're not going back and listening all the way to the beginning, which is fine. You know, I get it because trust me, trust me, I am an avid podcast listener myself. I am still a delivery driver, though I may not be with FedEx. Um, so all I do all day is listen to podcasts. Um, and I don't always go back to the very, very beginning unless it's like a really, really great podcast. You know what I mean? Um, and I want to catch it all and kind of get the whole story that's going on. So it makes me happy. I feel like, okay, maybe I didn't really cheat you guys. Like maybe that was a, a nice little Band-Aid. It was a, a decent way to uh, kind of smooth over the fact that I didn't have anything ready for you guys um, a couple of weeks ago because life was being what it was as we discussed last week. But I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, but this week we are back with a hot and fresh and ready. Like, what is that? Like little Caesars or something? $5. It's not even $5 anymore because inflation has ruined everything. Um, but anyway, it's hot, fresh, it's ready, straight out of the oven, whatever here for you to consume tonight. Hopefully you find it palatable to your, um, taste buds and hearty to your stomach. Anyway, my (laughs) y'all things have not really calmed down all that much for me. It's been a rough couple of weeks. For multiple reasons, but that's neither here nor there, and we're not going to dwell on that tonight because we are here in the studio, and I'm excited to be here um, because this is like one of my happy places in this whole world, but I did. I got to tell you a couple of things. I had kind of a rough weekend in a way. I ruined one of my best good t-shirts today, and I don't know how you guys feel about t-shirts, but I love t-shirts almost as much as I love hoodies. I'll turn tricks for a good hoodie, but like I'll I'll shank someone over a t-shirt, you know? It's not quite as good as a hoodie, but I love my t-shirts. Anyway, I have my new New Mexico t-shirt that I've had since I was in New Mexico some four years ago. And it was just one of those one off, got lucky, picked it up at a roadside stand. It just happened to fit perfect, happened to look perfect, happened to like wear and tear perfect. And it's just been one of my favorite t-shirts ever. You guys have seen it a million times. I don't know how many times I've worn it here recording for you guys. And it's always got the arrows crisscrossed across the front down at the bottom says New Mexico. Anyway, it died a tragic death at the hands of freaking bleach today. And I wasn't even cleaning. Y'all, I was just buying bleach for future cleaning. And the stupid, cheap, plastic nozzle on the billion and a half dollar marked up inflation priced bleach cleaner, the cheap plastic crap nozzle broke in my hand and fell and like sprayed like all over my shirt. And that was the end of it. And that is, you know, the death. And like, there's going to have to be some kind of like a 
ceremony for this because that was one of my very most favorite t-shirts I've ever had in my whole life. But anyway, so that's kind of rough. I had a little mourning period today over that t-shirt. And also, any of you guys that are watching the episode right now on YouTube, if you look closely at my left eye, which should be frame right for you, um, it doesn't look right. Looks like I got popped an eye or something there. And I've kind of got like a bloodshot thing going on the inside anyway. Okay, so what happened there is I mentioned to you guys, I got a new little kitty cat, right? Luna, and she's she's just the sweetest thing ever, but she chooses violence every morning when she wakes up. And she decided to choose violence Saturday morning to wake me up, and she literally clawed me in the eye. And it hurt very badly. I didn't think she got my eyeball because, you know, I know what that feels like to like scratch your cornea or something. So I wasn't like she got my eye, but I was afraid she like got my tear duct maybe because that's where it felt like she hit. And it was like a deep pain. I was like, this is more than surface. Oh my God, it hurt so bad. And anyway, I've got a little bit of bloodshot thing going on in the corner of my eye. And if you can, well, I got my glasses on. I'm not going to pull my eyelid down, but there's a big scratch on the top of my eyelid. And that cat hastily exited the room, which was probably in all of our best interest, honestly. Um, and right now she's about to drive me up the wall because I tried to sedate her with catnip and it did not work for the recording of this episode. And she's over there somewhere making all the noises she can possibly make. I'm pretty sure she found a cowbell. So somehow I don't even own a cowbell. I don't know how she got it. Like it's like the Shawshank redemption. You know, there's always that one person in prison that can procure things. <laughs> that can get things. Somehow she got a cowbell. She's got contraband in the house. And anyway, we're going to try to work around that tonight. And one other piece of housekeeping beyond Luna, Kitty, Luna Petunia. Um, <laughs> I mentioned like in my, my ad intro opening, you know, the wisdom of the universe. Brought by the wisdom of the universe. You know, it's kind of a fun tongue-in-cheek place where I kind of insert things sometimes. But sometimes they're kind of, you know, there's a little bit of something. They come from somewhere. And I was going to say, you know, I'm right in the middle of a lot of crud. Life is just very much hectic right now. It feels like I'm kind of in a phase where things are about to shift and a lot of things need to be possibly re-examined, refocused, you know, put some, put the right the right emphasis on the right things, you know, like when you're really putting the tendrils out there and you're casting the net, like where you're going to go do this and that and trying to chase down a career and all these things, some things work, some things don't, some things start to prove that they're not serving you and other things start to, and you know, I'm kind of like in the middle of this phase where all this is going on and I can tell a shift is in the works, change is in the air. I don't know what it is. I just know it's there, but I realized something over the last few days I'm watching something start to come together in the background of my life. And it's one of those things. It's like, you kind of just, I gave up on a long, long time ago, ever working out in my favor. And it's like, suddenly there appears to be this. And it's like, when you know, you know, and it's like, you look up and you're like, you look around and whatever it is you believe in that causes things to happen in this world, whether it's a God or the universe or just random chance, you look around and you go, dang, man, Something knew what was going on. Like, this kind of is going to work out. You start to see something, it's like, this is going to work out. And it's like, holy crap, I am glad I survived this long to see this happen. And that's kind of like what's been going on is I've, you know, realized I've been fighting a whole life, 42 years now, almost from day one, fighting a whole life of trying to get somewhere and be something that I want to be, live a life that I want to live. And, you know, living a life in general just has a lot of components, doesn't it? There's like work career. Hopefully it's a career you enjoy. 
there's outside of work, there's all these different things, you know, parts and aspects of your life and hardly ever rarely do they all sync up and come together, you know, where they're all like good. It's all good. Everything is moving in the right direction. And some of them are harder than others to get to fall into place, you know. Anyway, I'm seeing one of those fall into place. And it's just like, it's been a little bit of a reminder that even though you fail a thousand times, just like that famous Thomas Edison quote, when that reporter asked him, you know, when you failed a thousand times at making a light bulb, et cetera. And he says, I haven't failed a thousand times. I found a thousand ways it didn't work. That's a legitimate quote. And it's a pretty darn good quote, you know. Try, try, and try again. As long as you're after something you know in concept should work, just keep trying. Because if you get discouraged and give up, guess what? Yeah, you did fail. The only way you fail is if you give up. But if you keep fighting and you keep trying, eventually something may work out in your favor. And I may be looking at that right now a little bit. And it's just like a nifty little reminder that I want to remind you guys. You guys know I like to uh, throw out my little little wayward son wisdoms that I glean as I go along through this life, whether they have any value or not. I don't know. I guess that's up to you and how you take it. I know how I take them. But anyway, I just want to throw that out there. If you guys out there fighting those fights and struggling and getting stuck in those liminal spaces, getting stuck in the mud, trying to get out and it feels like you're just spinning your tires, like just don't give up. That is the key at the end of the day. Just don't give up. Never give up. Like die on the hill that you decided to fight for. Take it all the way to the end. Never give up. Anyway, that will wrap up tonight's housekeeping. And let's get on with the show. What are we going to talk about tonight? We're gonna. Well, I've named the episode. For any of you that looked before you started listening, Nomad Spirit Sedentary Life. I mean, this title pretty much really says it all. What's it about? It's about having a nomad spirit but stuck in a sedentary life. For some of you that don't know what a sedentary means, it means just basically in one place, settled down not getting to not doing things. I mean, it kind of is something that's come up with me a billion times now in anthropology and all my classes is, you know, when, when mankind became sedentary, when we went from being hunted hunter gatherers to, you know, and foragers to, to farmers and agricultural based societies, they became sedentary sometime around eight to 10,000 years ago, you know, at the end of the last ice age, the end of the younger driest period. Um, And people started to settle down. They started to domesticate wild grains and and realize, hey, we can tend these crops and we can produce a crap ton more yield and feed more people than chasing down freaking woolly mammoths and trying to stab them with things until (laughs) a thousand paper cut death happened. You know, it's tough to kill those monsters and they become sedentary. Well, sedentary simply means that that you settle down and you don't do anything. And for so many people, I mean, that's what this podcast has kind of been geared toward from the beginning is trying to get people to be not sedentary, get up off the couch, turn off Big Brother or Survivor or what the heck ever current reality show is the big deal. Turn it off and go outside and see the real reality. Go out and watch a sunset. Go out and hike a trail. Go out and see an elk in the wild somewhere or a wild bison, a buffalo roaming in the prairies of Oklahoma or Colorado or Yellowstone or wherever. Like, get out and live. Go live. Don't be sedentary. And what I've got going on right now is I've been sedentary for like the last, you know, 10 months. I mean, we're going to close in on a year soon. And, and that was the choice to go to college, you know, start classes. And it's taking all my time. And yeah, and now, especially with the uh, the volunteer opportunities I've taken on to try to to start getting together some really resume building opportunities 
for when I do finish my degree and possibly hopefully get a real job somewhere before I even finish my degree and kind of get started on that path, you know, like that takes up all my time. My adventures have waned to nearly nothing and it pains my heart. Y'all, I am hurting for certain. You guys have listened for very long. Some of you have been around since the beginning. You know me. You've listened to the journal of my life in audio format for the last, well, two years, but it tells the story of the last five or so. I mean, even more so maybe, but you guys know me. I don't set still well. My soul literally, literally longs to just wander, you know, and, and that's tough enough, just having a normal day job and having a few weekends here and there free and a little bit of PTO to use. That's tough enough to get your fill, but take away your weekends. Take away all your time to do it. You don't get to do it at all. Y'all, I am like pining away. My heart is longing for the open road. My heart is longing for somewhere I've never been and have no idea where I'm going and a full tank of gas. You know what I mean? I am definitely, definitely suffering from wanderlust right now. I'm suffering from being sedentary. So I have the spirit of a nomad but I am sedentary in my life. And I figured what we could do tonight is because I don't have, I'm running out. See, this is running me up against the wall with some issues here. How do I make episodes for you guys about interesting things? If I don't have any interesting things left to talk about, cause I'm not getting to do anything. I don't get to replenish the old arsenal, you know, with a new story to bring to you guys. Um, those things are great starting points. I get to go make a new you know, memory, learn a new place, see a new thing. And it's a starting point where I can take the whole area, a whole new place and bring it into audio format for you guys and try to make it real and try to make it something that I can get you to lust after and get off your tails and go live, man. You guys know, you know what I'm all about. So anyway, I decided because I don't have a lot to work with right now, I've got a few episodes that just haven't really, really struck me kind of in the bag, you know, as, as inspired, they're still, you know, just simmering on the back burner. It kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know what, what's really on your heart right now, Justin, what's really on your mind? What's, what's, what are you carrying around? Well, I'm carrying around this, this feeling of being a caged animal. I'm carrying around this, this lust in my heart for the open road and the freedom. You know, I'm carrying around this nomad spirit that's literally kind of caged up right now in the confines of this house. Um, I should talk about that. So what can we do? You know, what can we make an episode out of if we talk about that? Well, what we can talk about is what I want to go do. Let's like talk about some of Justin's bucket list ideas, adventures that are on my mind that I want to go do. I should make for an interesting episode. Some of the places I've researched, some of the trips I've drawn up for to pull off when the time is right and the, the number of days available is right and the money is right. Let's just talk about some like really cool adventures we could go on. I'm, I guess I'm inviting you guys tonight to come and dream a dream with me because right now all I've got our dreams to dream. So I think that's what we're going to do. I hope you guys are okay with that. I think that it will be at least somewhat mildly entertaining. I will do my best to make it so. And I feel like, you know, we may have some, uh, I don't know. We can really, we can really go down the path. We can really dream together. I think, because who doesn't love to hear about some great ideas for some great adventures. So anyway, let's get into that. Like, let's get started on it. I think I kind of just put together a little bit of a a little bit of an outline. I just knocked out a few things, some of the things that I'm planning on doing in the future someday and uh, made a few kind of bullet points on my sheet here in front of me. And the first one I put on the list is Big Bend. Um, I really want to go to Big Bend. 
Big Bend National Park. National, yeah. Is it a monument or park? It's a park. Big Bend National Park down there on the border of Texas and Mexico. Um, and it's just, y'all, it is just gloriously, gloriously beautiful. I've seen the pictures over and over again. I've seen the pictures. What kind of got me on the idea today was I saw a, a, a person I follow on Instagram had posted about a little state park area that has the like North American continent's oldest cave art, indigenous cave art, literally the whole continent's in like oldest indigenous cave art that I'd never heard of. So that's on my list, but it wasn't real far from Big Bend. I mean, in Texas miles, I guess it's real far. It could be across on the other side of the planet when you're in Texas, but like it's down on the Rio Grande in the general region, so to speak. And it got me to thinking about Big Bend and that whole area down the Rio Grande. And I'm like, yeah, this is the episode we should make tonight. But anyway, Big Bend. I'm going to read you an excerpt from nationalparks.org. I'm gonna, I've kind of pulled up several web pages here on my iPad, so I can just read you guys nice little synopsises of these, or synopses. Maybe that's more, that sounds smarter. I don't know if it is, but it sounds smarter, so let's do that. Synopses of all of these places to kind of give you a good overview. Because they're places I haven't been, right? I can't tell you like, oh, I was there and it was beautiful. Um And then we'll just kind of talk about it, what my mind sees, where I'm coming from, what I'm dreaming about for a road trip to one of these places. But this is a bit of a summary, if you will, of the Big Bend National Park. And here's a quote right at the very top from Lady Bird Johnson. Many of you youngsters won't know who she is, but uh, just Google it. She was actually a pretty, pretty badass lady. Anyway, this looks like the very edge of the world. This is a quote from her over Big Bend National Park. And I mean, that's quite romantic, I would say. It's quite illustrative. Um, Anyway, title heading of the article, Perfect Solitude, Deep River Gorges Sparkle Down Below, Canyons Cut Through the Isolated Chisos Mountains. The Rio Grande tranquilly passes through West Texas, through space and time, carrying the secrets of millennia in her waters. I wonder who millennia is. I bet she has got some really, really sordid secrets. That sounds like fun to me. I'll Google that later. Anyway, Big Bend offers plenty of activities for visitors of all ages. I'm sorry. That was a terrible pun. (laughs) Uh, I don't know to be proud of myself or ashamed for that one. Anyway, Big Bend offers plenty of activities for visitors of all ages. The park boasts 150 miles of hiking trails through mountainous deserts terrain, and the long rivers. Visitors will be drawn to geologic structures that date back millions of years, as well as 1,200 species of plant and 400 spe- 450 species of birds. Additional park activities include scenic drives, programs led by Big Bend Park Rangers, and stargazing. Big Bend National Park is located in the southwestern part of Texas along the Texas-Mexico border. Big Bend was established as a national park in June of 1935, preserving the largest tracts of Chihuahuan desert topography and ecology in the United States. The park is compromised of 1,252 square miles of land, making it larger than the state of Rhode Island. But to be fair, my living room is larger than the state of Rhode Island. Within Big Bend National Park are numerous geographical contrasts. These include vegetation belts along the Rio Grande, the sparseness of the Chihuahuan Desert, the peaks of the Chisos Mountains, and the limestone outcrops of the Persimmon Gap and Boquillas Canyon. Boquillas? That would be right. It ain't Boquillas. Edna. 
Bokeus. That'd be right. Bokeus. Yeah. Double L's in Spanish are a yaw sound for all of you out there that didn't know that. Anyway, so Big Bend is, from all the pictures that you can Google and see, and I pulled up a whole mess of pictures and looked through them, and Big Bend is gorgeous. I've been looking at it for years, guys. I've been looking at it for years. Big Bend is a gorgeous place. And it's like so desolate, but see, there's like a beauty in the desert desolation. You know, I've had people, I've mentioned this on the show before, when I wanted to drive to San Francisco um, instead of fly, when I was going out there for Big Purple way back in the day, so many people were like, why in the hell would you want to drive there? And I was like, why in the hell would I want to fly over all of that and not be able to see it? Like, the desert southwest is like iconic it's romantic it's mysterious it's mystical it's beautiful and they're all like it's boring and i'm like no kansas is boring i love you kansans i know i pick on you guys quite a bit but it's it's just true i'm sorry but it's not the desert's not boring man like mesas all the the reds and the yellows and purples that come up in the mesas and the outcroppings and the sunsets in the southwest oh my god and you've not lived until you've been literally t-boned by a tumbleweed the size of a volkswagen beetle doing 85 miles an hour straight across the desert floor i nearly wrecked i nearly had a wreck because i thought i'd been hit by a car did not see that coming that that you know you're alive that heart starts racing you know you're alive and you question if you might almost be on the verge of being dead you know maybe you need to get a heart checkup but the desert is gorgeous and big bend there's a reason see national park status does not come easy they don't just pass that stuff out and sometimes they take it away as we learned several episodes ago when i had talked about oklahoma's first national park um, it was revoked of its national park status because they were like, yo, you know, they got down the road a little ways and all these other things were kind of cropping up. And they're like, eh, this is a cool, pretty place, but isn't it really a national park? Like, I, mm, yeah, let's make it like a national kind of forest grassland type of wilderness reserve type of thing. You know, it lost its national park status. National park is a lofty status to achieve. They don't just hand that out, you know. Big Bend, obviously, is deserving of that for a reason. I just kind of read some of the things about it to you, but you can imply to it what you do know about the Southwest and just imagine it and go online, Google it. If you're listening to me tonight or watching me tonight, sitting in your chair, pull it up on the old laptop or the iPad and just look at pictures of Big Bend. That would be an awesome time, y'all. And can you imagine stargazing? Like, you know me, I like to attempt astrophotography. Big Bend's a dark sky park. It's like one of the man, big ones. People love to go out there for astrophotography. I can't do it properly because I don't have the equipment to do it properly. And if I don't have the equipment, I can't learn to use it, right? But I can do it with, to a degree with the camera that I have. And I would be all about that. But just imagine it for stargazing. You don't need to be into astrophotography to go stargaze. Y'all, if some of you folks, especially you folks that have never really been out of the city, and I've met some of y'all, I've talked to some of you guys over the years that literally have never seen the Milky Way with your naked eye. Like, there are places on this planet and several right here in the United States of America where you can see the Milky Way with your naked eye. It's a haze that that just drapes across the sky. I mean, it's not like the pictures you see because you're not taking 30 second long exposures with your eyeballs. They don't work the same as a camera shutter and an aperture. You know what I mean? Like 
but it's still there. You can see the Milky Way. You can see this haze. And what you can see is probably a thousand times as many stars as you'll ever see in a city. Or definitely. Probably hundreds of thousands of times more stars. Like the sky is literally, it, it's it's indescribable is what it is. It's ineffable. That's a big word for indescribable. There are no words. Anyway, y'all, Big Bend on my list. I cannot wait to go down there someday. It's totally, that's one that I've got to make happen because you want to talk about the vast expanse of nothingness and the adventure, the the exploration of the unknown, the mystery of the unknown. Boy, get down there and spend some time. And plus, you're not very far from El Paso. Like I got real close to El Paso when I was in Las Cruces and I just didn't make it down there because time constraints. But you can get up towards El Paso as well. And El Paso, like I've had this idea. I'm about to give you guys an insight into my twisted mind. Um, well, I figured out what TikTok was. I would think we talked about that here on the show too. I was like, what the hell is this madness? Well, I figured out TikTok was and I started trying to utilize it to drive people to this podcast, which actually worked. And I haven't done anything with it in a while because of time, man. You guys know how long it is to go through and find something interesting in this show and take 30 seconds of it. And then chop that into like 10 seconds and then put it on. It, it's a whole thing. But when I figured that out, I had this idea because I watched a whole bunch. I, you know, I sat down for two minutes one night to watch TikTok and suddenly it was three hours later and I hated my own soul. Um, I, That stained my soul that night. But anyway, you kind of figure out what's going on with TikTok and the format that it is and how to utilize that format to make, you know, interesting little videos. And there's some really funny people out there. But I just had this idea. I was like, this is how TikTok works. And, you know, somewhere down the line, somewhere in a few days or so there, you know, I, something crossed my mind. And I'm always in my head, like my daughter, I always call her my little squirrel girl because it rhymes because I'm just weird like that. I call her my little squirrel and it used to annoy her and I would get tickled. And so anyway, squirrel and girl rhyme, right? And it dawned on me. If I could ever get to El Paso and I could hunt down like a taxidermied squirrel, and maybe like a cute little sombrero to strap to his head. I know I could find like a big painted mural, Welcome to El Paso, and I could make a viral TikTok. And just me with that squirrel going, Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican squirrel. I just feel like that would go. I just feel like that would go. I think that would, I think that would be fire, as you kids say. And that's, a glimpse into probably a lot of what's wrong with me. But anyway, around it, that will probably happen. Y'all look for that someday. If I ever get down towards El Paso, I'm already on the lookout for some taxidermied squirrel and, and tiny sombreros. I can tell you that right now. Um, anyway, anyway, that's, yeah, that's the mind of Justin. Um, but again, getting out there into the desert Southwest, I'm so about it. I'm so about it. And that's, I mean, is that though, can you call that the desert Southwest? I mean, it is, but I mean, you're almost into Mexico. That's the Chihuahuan desert. That's not like the Southwest as we think of it, which we're about to talk about. You know, you talk about New Mexico, you talk about Arizona, Southern Nevada, the Mojave out there. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, around it, it's out there in the general region and it's got all of the awesome things that the desert has to offer. And you guys don't sleep on the deserts. Like if you're just of the mind, like you guys know, I love mountains too. I love the mountains, but deserts are their own thing, their own special ecology, their own special beauty, their own special beauty. And they kill, they kill at sunset and sunrise, man, man, 
I want to get back to the desert so, so, so bad. Anyway around it, we've pushed on to about break time. So let's go hear a word from our sponsors and we will get back to several more um, dreams that I am dreaming currently on the other side of the break. What is up, all of you wayward souls? I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, Bendetti Optics, a brand based right here in the good old US of A, Portland, Oregon, to be exact. And I bought my first pair of Bendetti sunglasses about a year and a half ago and fell in love with them so much so that I got online and ordered a couple more pair. And when I did, there was a small shipping snafu, an order fulfillment snafu, and I got on the phone, gave them a call, and guess what? I get a call back from who? One of the big men themselves, right there in Portland from the top of the chain, have a great conversation, and we end up starting this great relationship we have. They more than made right, the little snafu that occurred, and I am now a huge proponent of them because I can tell you from personal experience, they are good people, and they are trying to compete with the big boys out there coming in at a price point of about $40, but using the exact same frame material, TR90, and the same polarization process as the big guys. As it turns out, something I think we are already probably knew in our hearts, when you buy big name sunglasses, you're buying a big name, not necessarily any more quality than you can get somewhere else, like at Ben Daddy Optics. They have 29 different styles. They have multiple polarization options for whatever climate you happen to live in. And they back it up with like this lifetime guarantee that if your dog eats your sunglasses, it doesn't matter how you break them. Send it back in with a check to cover shipping and handling and you're golden. You got a new pair on the way. These guys are truly trying to do it right. And they have this philosophy that a really good pair of sunglasses should not cost you so much that you are afraid to wear them. And I think all of us outdoorsmen can relate to that. So if you guys, like me, are very practical and like to get more bang for your buck and wear some great looking sunglasses, check out BendettiOptics.com. That's B-E-N-D-E-T-T-I, Optics.com. Or you can go over to Instagram slash BendettiOptics. And that I highly suggest, whether you buy a pair or not, just to check out the cutest pupper you'll ever see modeling sunglasses. Once again, that's BendettiOptics.com. And make sure and let them know Wayward Stories sent you. And welcome back. Thank you guys for sticking around through the break. If you guys are so moved, go check out our sponsors and, and let them know that Wayward Stories sent you if you do, because that helps us to continue to to make the show, especially our sponsor that's like going to be a forever sponsor. Like they'll be on the front end no matter what, forever and ever. Um, Bendetti Optics, like they're the best guys. They truly are the best. You got to go check them out. And when you do, there's a box in there that says, how did you hear about us? Let them know I sent you over there means a lot to the show, means a lot to the show. Anyway, let's talk about what's next, what's next, what's next, Durango, Colorado, the general area of Southwest Colorado and Durango. Um, this is something that's been on my list for a long time. You guys know I went to Central Colorado a couple of years ago. We have an episode on it called Exploring Central Colorado. I like to think it's one of the earliest better episodes when I really started to kind of find my stride and the show started to get better by my standards, at least. Um, and it's right in the general area of when I was able to start saying, oh, maybe I can go back and listen to some of my episodes every once in a while. Um, those are, those early ones just murder me, murder me, but it's a good episode. Go check it out. Um, but this is, you know, Southwestern Colorado, still similar, very, in very many ways it's similar. And I want to go there and check it out. Um, I'm going to give you guys an idea of some of the things going on around Durango so you can kind of understand 
why I really want to go there and spend time there. Like this, this is one of those that ticks so many boxes for Justin, like me being the geek that I am about so many different things. Um, but the Durango's got so many things. For example, one thing, there is a still functioning narrow gauge railroad that runs from Durango to Silverton. It runs from, let's see. Yeah. From Durango another there's an eight and a half hour trip. Y'all riding the train, the rails of an old railway through the Rocky mountains. Come on. You talk about railroad history. You're talking about mining history. You're talking about gorgeous, gorgeous views. Can you imagine the views? Think about it. Think about it. So there's a functioning narrow gauge railway that you can set your butt in a little rail car and ride along the Rocky Mountains and see all kinds of history, all kinds of scenic beauty. It's just ooh, that alone, that alone would be worth it for me to go and see. Um, also, Mesa Verde National Park. Um, you guys, I don't know how some of you guys are like more like probably Yosemite Yellowstone kind of national park people like the natural beauty, the natural wonder. Um, in which I am as well, big time. But some of the historical national parks, historical monuments, y'all, Mesa Verde, come on, man. The Pueblos, like the, oh my gosh, you know, the cliff dwellings. Until you've seen something like that, you don't know how it's going to move you. I can tell you that right now. When I went to the Gila cliff dwellings and saw them in person, and, and, and you stand there, like on those particularly, you're way up on this ledge looking down at the valley below going what ever possessed them to do this but realizing the kind of engineering feat that it was for people from 700 years ago to do it's it will move you in ways that you don't understand that you don't recognize it will until you're there seeing it and it puts you in another space I mean, it takes you, y'all, they're time machines. It takes you back in time when you're literally standing in the place in the footsteps and said, you know, you can literally step inside of the dwellings of a people that passed on 700 years ago, left the area there. I mean, the people that built them themselves obviously passed on six to 700 years ago. It is. It's not just a window, man. You're there. You're there. Time machines are real. They're not, you know, they're to go backwards anyway. I don't think we want time machines that could go forward, man. Like people love that. They lust after that. I'm dead. Like, do you really want that idea? Do you really want to do that? Cause I don't think you're really thinking through the consequences of what you're going to have to live with when you come back. If you see some things that you don't want to see. And I mean, the way the world trends, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not something you don't really want to see. Anyway, Mesa Verde, Mesa Verde, that is in the general area of Durango. Also, Animus River whitewater rafting. Y'all, I love some whitewater. I love some whitewater. I've never done anything quite like something big, like the Colorado, where it's crazy, like the suck hole up on the Arkansas River, so to speak. If you've never seen video of the suck hole on the Arkansas River, YouTube that ish. And I mean, there was a video, it's been years since I saw this video, but I remember it well because it's like, it's talking about like this whole rafting thing at the suck hole on the Arkansas river. And I'm like, Oh cool. I got to check this out. And I'm watching it and you're looking at this and it's a big standing wave. And if you that know anything about whitewater at all, you know what a standing wave looks like in, um, in current, a lot of people like to play on those standing waves, at least the smaller ones. Well, you're looking at this and the perspective of the video is not you know readily apparent 
It is not immediately obvious what the scale of what you're seeing is because it's just water flowing through a river and you're like, oh yeah, a standing wave. What's going to happen here? And then this little dot kind of enters the picture and you're like, that's a raft with like 10 people on it. Oh my God, that is a huge standing wave. And suddenly bodies are airborne like they were launched from a cannon. That's not really my style, I don't think. I don't feel like, I feel like I've maybe graduated beyond that kind of thing. Physically, I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that I'm 42. Like, I, you know, go to work every day and throw my body against a brick wall is what it apparently, you know, amounts to. And I just realized there's certain things I'm going to have to let go. And I feel like getting launched from a raft, God knows how many feet in the air, as if I was being shot from a circus cannon, probably does not fit into my future plans very well. I feel like I could have long-term consequences that might affect the quality of the rest of my life, so to speak. Looks awesome and something I would have done, have done things sort of like that. I mean, I used to do all kinds of stupid stuff um, just to say I did it. And that's part of why a lot of my body parts don't work now. Like, listen, youngsters, just listen. There are consequences to your actions, especially when you're using your body to do it. Um, but yeah, whitewater rafting could be a blast. I think especially in a river where you're not literally, again, being flung like a rag doll around. Um, so you have the Animus River with whitewater rafting right there around Durango. And something else that's going to be going on around Durango. Now, listen, a lot of people are really into the ATVs or the the side-by-sides, you know, like the uh, off-highway vehicles, the Razors, um, and then Jeeps. And any there's all kinds of outfitters out there that will put you in a Jeep if you don't have one, put you in a Razor if you don't have one, and you can get up on those passes and those trails through the Rocky Mountains. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I do it in a heartbeat. You want to talk about explore the way I like to explore. Again, go back and listen to the Central Colorado episode. If you want to go explore the way I want to explore, go and take your Jeep or your Razor or have someone put you in one and get you an old map. Get the gold Google going and look for some abandoned ghost towns, you know, some abandoned mining towns. In Colorado, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And they're amazing because they're so well preserved because they're the mountains, they're high desert. They're up above seven, eight, ten thousand feet sometimes. There's not a lot to weather them into nothing, and they are so well preserved. And y'all, again, take a step back in time. Maybe not seven hundred years to an indigenous people who eked out a life of hunting, hunting and gathering and foraging and even farming in the valleys below by building these mud brick structures on the side of a damn bluff but you're going back 150 years 160 years to a time where literally like some of the hardiest explorers in the world were out there trying to prospect and make a life and make a living off of gold and all of that kind of stuff and they built some of the most amazing things you will ever see out there and i don't know if you guys can see this But Luna's decided to make an appearance on the show. Luna, come here. She's about to knock everything off the shelf behind me, as cats do. I'll see if I can get her over here. And uh, let you guys watching on YouTube take a look at this thing. Come here, baby. Come here. Come on. Oh, you little stinker. Here we go. Here is... (laughs) Sorry for all the racket. Here is Luna Petunia. For anyone who's watching, look, you're famous now, girl. Like, 35 people think you're adorable. Oh, you're purring? 
<laughs> you can hear that. Hey, listen, go find a mouse or something. Be useful. Be useful. Go make yourself scarce for like 30 more minutes. Anyway, sorry. There's a there's Luna. She says hi. Whatever. Um, she tried to take my eye out two days ago. Thus is the nature of cats. We've discussed that before. Anyway, she's a sweetheart. She just will claw your eyes out. Gosh, I think I know a few people like that, actually. But anyway, in the Durango area, if we can get back on subject here, we'll look at, here is a ghost town that I want to talk about that's in the Durango area. And it's called the Animus Forks. It is one of the best known ghost towns in the Durango Silverton area. It's at an elevation of over 11,500 feet. And it's one of the highest mining towns ever established. Founded in 1873, this once booming mining community was deserted by the mid-1920s. The town is on the National Register of Historic Places and the remaining buildings have been stabilized so visitors can safely enter and explore. There are nine structures in the Animus Forks that visitors have complete access to, the oldest being the town's jail. Interpretive brochures and maps are available upon arrival. Animus Forks is part of the Alpine Loop Scenic Byway. The byway is a four-wheel drive terrain that traverses the summits of the Rockies. Spanning some 65 miles, the Alpine Loop runs between Lake City, Oray, and Silverton and takes more than four hours to complete. The spectacular views make it well worth the time. Be aware that the road requires a vehicle with high clearance and the ability to handle rocky terrain. Most adventurers take a Jeep on this excursion since the narrow roads make traveling with a full-size truck less than desirable. That, y'all, y'all, that is fascinating. I want every last ounce of that. That alone will take me to Durango someday. That trip alone, that ghost town in that 65 mile byway through the Rockies four wheel drive that alone will take me to southwestern Colorado someday that right there that gets me excited that gets me excited y'all scenic beauty mixed with history mixed with amazing sunsets I have no doubt on the western flank of the Rockies oh my god oh my god Sweet Jesus. Mm, we're going to do that. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. So anyway, Southwest Colorado. Definitely. Definitely on my list. Um, Let's see. What else? What else? What else? Ooh, we're going to talk about this probably for a few minutes. Let's get to Glen Canyon. Let's talk about Glen Canyon. Let's actually, let's talk about a lot of Southern Utah right there around Glen Canyon and on the way out there. Y'all, this would be like a week to two week long trip that I would be all about. I mean, 100% all about. And this actually is a trip that almost happened when I went to New Mexico. Those most, you know, here you guys remember back in November, my birthday slash Thanksgiving episodes about going to Las Cruces and uh, the Tularosa Basin and uh, the Oregon Mountains and Gila Cliff Dwellings like we just mentioned. What I almost did that week was this. And I would have loved for it to to bend this. The reason it wasn't this is because it was like minus 13 degrees in Southern Utah at that time. And that didn't really sound wonderful to me. While I do love some extreme weather, not for like several days when I'm trying to have an adventure and I have to be outside, you know, losing the end of your nose to frostbite is not my idea of a good holiday trip. Um, 
But anyway, this trip alone, why, what got us there to start with? What is the reason I started looking at this whole area and came up with like what would be essentially, it'd probably take a week minimum to do this upright. Maybe three to five days you could do it and really see a lot of really awesome stuff and have a fun road trip and one that can maybe fit a budget or fit just a, a certain amount of PTO days and a weekend, um, you know, used together. But I would say to do it right, right, you probably want seven days and to really, really do it right, maybe seven to 10 days because there's a lot going on in that area. If you don't want to just do drive by shootings and, you know, of photography, to get the pictures and say I was there, but you really want to explore, you're going to, you would need a few days. But what got us there to start with was, was Lake Powell and Glen Canyon, Glen Canyon. Lake Powell is a part of the water system out there along side Lake Mead. And you guys know that's been in the news a lot for the last few years because they're like down to like their, their water levels are down hundreds, literally hundreds of feet. This is like a historic drought that's going on in the Southwest. They've got some real problems out there. But one of the things that came from that is Glen Canyon has started to become exposed again for the first time in like over 60 years since it was flooded. And that's really significant. I've heard many people say that it's America's lost national park because it was flooded. It, it's apparently just as it's everything you could ever hope to find in an arches down in a grand Canyon, down in um, the Canyon lands. And there was like a huge protest against it at the time that that was all flooded. But now, now see, this is what makes it really, really fascinating and really, really cool. And something that, really, really has made it to the very tip top of my bucket list just in case they ever, you know, the gods ever smile upon the Southwest again and let the bottom drop out of the clouds and it fills back up. We may never see it again. Hasn't been seen for 60 years and not many people expect that they would ever see it again until this historic drought happened. I'm just going to give you like just a few quick words from an article that I wish I could read all of to you, but that would be a hour long podcast episode in and of itself, but it's from the New Yorker. And it's titled The Lost Canyon Under Lake Powell. Drought is shrinking one of the country's largest reservoirs and it's revealed a hidden Eden. Eden's a big word. I know people like to use it. It's very illustrative. It's very illustrative. Yeah, no, that's right. Illustrative means illustrative. It's very much illustrates what's going on here. Um, Here's a little subtitle. As Glen Canyon reappears, devotees are celebrating what, by most standards, counts as a disaster. See, they don't have any water out there to, like, put in people's bellies to keep them alive. They've got problems. But this canyon is absolutely gorgeous. This is a very, very contentious political subject that I am not going to take a side on here. But I will say this. There is a window of opportunity right now where this Glen Canyon is once again available to be viewed. And for any of you adventurous people out there who would like to see something that should nature begin to cooperate again, should mother nature have mercy, we may never get another chance in our lifetimes to see. So something to consider. But anyway, I'm going to read you a paragraph real quick from this article. It's the only one I'm going to read and then we'll talk about it kind of in general in the rest of this area. But this is a very, um, it's a very potent paragraph. I think kind of tells you something. 
In the six decades since the dam was built, the living memory of Glen Canyon has mostly been lost. Relatively few people visited the canyon when it could still be run by raft, and all but a handful of them are now dead. In the meantime, the place has acquired an almost mythical status. It was a kind of Eden, more spectacular than the Grand Canyon, and, at the same time, more peaceful. It was a fairy tale maze of side canyons and side canyons with their own side canyons, and each one offering a different marvel. Edward Abbey, who was one of the several writers and artists to float through Glen Canyon shortly before its inundation, called the closing of the dam's gates to fill the lake a crime. To grasp the nature of this crime, he wrote, Imagine the Taj Mahal or the Chartres Cathedral being buried in mud until only the spires remained visible. So this is how people viewed what Glen Canyon is. I have done some Googling and I have searched through some photographs and it is absolutely shocking how beautiful it is. And it's actually kind of shocking and surprising it didn't manage to find its way into its own national park status and protection of that with that that comes with that status before it was inundated. But again, that's politics. That's 60 years ago. And, you know, the Southwest needed water. Las Vegas, you know, Las Vegas, we like money, right? Las Vegas gets a lot of money out of people's pockets and gets that money into the government's hands. You know, taxes and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, anyway, contentious political subject. There is a huge movement right now to stop, you know, fill Lake Mead first is what they're kind of hashtagging it. Because Lake Mead and Lake Powell are connected. They're all down the river from one another. And they're like, well, let's fill up Lake Mead first. Let's save Glen Canyon as long as we can. And like, there's a movement. They don't ever want Lake Powell ever filled back up again. But then there's a whole lot of other people that are way more important with a lot more money who would prefer it be filled. Contentious subject. But for our purposes, apparently there is a canyon that is more spectacular than the Grand by someone's opinion. And it is now like a treasure that's been hidden away for 60 years, suddenly visitable for all of us to go and see and partake of. This is a treasure hunt that you can go on and actually find. You know what I mean? So consider putting that on your list of things to try to get done in the next few years, just in case, just in case it ever fills back up. But there's a broader thing you can do here if you're going to Glen Canyon. And that is, well, okay, maybe, maybe. Let's say if you're coming from east to down, say, Interstate 40 or anywhere from the east, and you're going to go out to Glen Canyon, out to Utah, out to wherever, um, there's like a whole loop you could make here that would be absolutely awesome. And I suppose if you're coming from the West too, you could do the same thing. Um, doesn't matter either way. But for me, coming from the East, booking it down I-40, if I departed Interstate 40 somewhere around Albuquerque and started up through the Northwest corner of New Mexico, I could visit Chaco Canyon for one thing. Chaco Canyon is an amazing place. Chaco Canyon is a site of significant cultural heritage um just google it just google it i will let it do the explaining because i will beat you guys to death if i allow myself i will beat you to death with my fascination with the indigenous peopling or the peopling of the americas and the indigenous peoples that settled long before us that are many of our forebears in many ways depending on which you know haplo group they happen to be a part of but it's fascinating to me and I will beat you to death with it. But Chaco Canyon is an amazing place. Also Canyon de Chez, but I didn't actually look to see what it's real, uh, relation geographically is to this. But anyway, 
Canyon say Chaco Canyon, but Chaco Canyon would be the first stop. Go and see some awesome indigenous ruins from many hundreds of years ago out there in the desert Southwest, which is its own mystical thing. Why do they, what do you think they call New Mexico? You know, um, the land of enchantment. It really is. If you've not been there, go to the enchanted circle around Taos. If you've never been through there, you don't understand what they mean. But when you go there and you see it with your eyes, you're like, it is, it's magical, man. There's something to it. There's something in the air, something in the water, something in something. It's in the atmosphere. It is. It feels enchanting. It's a different kind of place. Anyway, Chaco Canyon. Be first on your list. You go from Chaco Canyon and then you hit Monument Valley. Okay. Maybe you've heard of Monu- Monument Valley. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I think most people have, but maybe you haven't. Google that. You want to see some amazing pictures? Well, they're monuments. They're not man-made monuments. They are absolutely stunning geologic features jutting from all over the landscape and there y'all the pictures the photographic opportunities oh my gosh and it's again it's the southwest it is that beautiful desolate and even though it's desolate it's not desolate it's teeming with life there's all kinds of stuff it's just by our standards it's not giant deciduous trees it's not giant conifers it's not you know big pine trees and and oak trees and it's not mountainous but it is mountainous in its own way heavily weathered a lot of the landscapes are volcanic and that alone is beautiful to see oh my gosh as you get out there and there's all these it's all the scrub the desert scrub and the and the cacti and all of the different plants and animals and the road runners y'all it's a thing it's a thing. The desert is its own whole thing. Do not sleep on the desert. But Monument Valley, Valley would be next on your list, and you would drive right through it on your way to Glen Canyon and Lake Powell. And there's a lot to do there at Glen Canyon and Lake Powell. From Glen Canyon and Lake Powell, when you come back out, you could go to Canyonlands. Maybe you've seen pictures of Canyonlands National Park, or is it a national monument? That I'm unsure of. Either way, it is national parks um, administered one and the same, more or less. Go to Canyonlands. Again, photographic opportunities. The beauty, the, the magnificent beauty of what erosion can do to, like, gosh, what is the right word here? Let's go with something really descriptive. Ginormous, ginormous geologic features all over the landscape. Mm, mm. Canyonlands, Canyonlands, y'all, again, a beautiful national park preserved and protected for us to go and enjoy and to round it all off. When you leave Canyonlands, you head up to Arches National Park right up there on the border with Colorado, Utah and Colorado. And I know you know Arches because there's that very, very famous picture of the arch, one of the arches in Arches National Park. Y'all think about that. Chaco Canyon to Monument Valley to Glen Canyon, America's lost national park that has reemerged for possibly a very short window for us to enjoy up to Canyonlands National Park, up to Arches National Park. And then, hey, guess what? If you really wanted to make this into like a two-week-long adventure or something, you're right next to Durango in southwest Colorado. You could actually loop back through there on your way back down to 40, and we could tie together previous wanderlust trip that I talked about and this one they're all right there in this giant loop oh my god my soul is on fire 
it used to do that a lot. And then it like spread to my head and I lost all my hair and you can see what happened with that. But y'all, y'all, that, those, those right there, those right there are some trips that have to, have to, have to, have to happen in my lifetime. And I would love to see them happen in your lifetime. Like I've talked about, I really do care about all you people that I don't know. I truly care about you more than you know. And a lot of people can't understand that. And that's fine. I don't care if you understand it or not, but I really do care. Whoever the hell you are out there, I care. And I want you to go live, man. I don't want you to die with regrets. I really don't. Take some advice. Follow that nomad spirit if you get the chance. Right now, I'm dying. I'm dying over here because I can't get out. I can't satiate my soul. But maybe you can. And maybe you can start to plan and maybe you can dream a dream. Like, let's go get it, y'all. Let's go get it. Anyway, um, let's do one more. Like we we're pushing close to an hour, but we've I think I've gotten you guys spoiled to hour and fifteen ish minutes, hour and twenty minute episodes, and everyone seems to really like that. I know personally, I'm a huge fan of the long form podcast. Um, so I still have several on the list. So let's just pick one and let's talk about that for ten or fifteen minutes, and then we'll call it an episode. How about that? Sound good to you guys? If it doesn't, well, I guess you can just push stop and move on to another podcast that you like better. Yeah, that's how this works. Magic of podcasting. Anyway. Let's talk about, hmm, let's go with Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. Y'all, y'all, there's so much going on up around Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. Like, they're all generally real close together. There's Yellowstone, you go down Jackson Hole, you're right next to the Grand Tetons National Park. Um, absolutely gorgeous by any any stretch of the imagination. Anything, Yellowstone, it's Yellowstone, Right. I personally love it up there where the Rockies meet the Northern Plains. Like I went through there. We talked about it in my first Great American Road Trip when I went through Wyoming, Montana, went all the way up into Canada for a minute, was accosted by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and everything was in French. Maybe, I don't know. You need to go back and listen to that one. That's actually, I talk about, I beat up on myself for how much I don't like listening to myself and listening to old episodes. Like it's just like a evolution progress thing. It's like that's the old me that sucked. I don't want to think about that. That episode, I will actually go back and listen to, especially the second half. I laugh every damn time. When we get to the border of Canada from that point, no, no, no. When we get into Wyoming, I laugh almost until the end of the episode. It's true story. All of it's true, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Anyway, that would be my first great American road trip. It's back almost a year ago. Actually, I think it was a year ago. Um, at the making of this episode, saw it in my Google photo memories or whatever, just the other day. Um, but this general area, Yellowstone stones right next door to where we went through Billings and all that stuff. Bozeman, like it's right next door. Yellowstone alone doesn't really need much to be said about it. Um, the grand Tetons might, because I mean, I think a lot of people have probably heard that name, but are less familiar with the grand Tetons and what's going on over there. I didn't pull up a real great, overview of the whole thing. But what I did find was a website. And the reason I did this, because there are plenty of overviews. You want to know about Yellowstone? You just Google it. It's like the first national park, right? It's huge. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Everyone and their dog and their dog's girlfriend have gone to Yellowstone at some point, except me. I never got, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, but everyone knows about it. It's super, super famous, right? So I didn't pull up some crazy little synopsis or whatever, just to try to get, cause you know, you know, but I did find this as I was trying to find a really good summary, which I didn't really come across. 
this is someone trying to sell you a package adventure to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, and they're right there together. So I was like, you know, this is this should be read to you guys. It give you an idea. Yellowstone, and this is a package again, a vacation package. Somebody wants to sell you. It's off the beaten path.com. Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks are the focus of this journey, sitting side by side yet offering such complementary landscapes and opportunities. The combination of prolific wildlife, unique geothermal activity, and sheer beauty is simply unmatched. From Bozeman, take a trip along the Yellowstone River through the Paradise Valley. It leads us to our first stop. Yellowstone's Mammoth Hot Spring, where we'll stroll the boardwalks around Mammoth's subtly beautiful travertine terraces and get to know about the park's wildlife and history with a visit to the Albright Visitor's Center. After, we'll check into our accommodations nearby. Wake early to begin this journey to the heart of the park where we settle for two nights. With an eye out for wildlife, always, <laughs> we look for rainbows in the waterfall mist at the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone and watch for bison, coyotes, elk, and maybe even a grizzly in the Hayden Valley. Things heat up with a day of exploring Yellowstone's colorful hot springs, bubbling mud pots, and spouting geysers. Of course, I'm sure Old Faithful would be one of those. Next stop, Jackson Hole, where the craggy Tetons cast their shadow. From a wonderful lodge, we spend days hiking in the Rockefeller Preserve, boating across Jenny Lake and strolling around the Jackson Town Square and floating scenic stretches of the Snake River. I felt like that was actually a pretty good thing to read. And I also wanted to read it because I realized they get down here and the prices start at $6,000. And I was like, yo, y'all want to pay me six grand? I'll take you more places than that. Like, shoot i know i can take myself for a lot cheaper than that a lot cheaper than that and still see the same stuff and probably more because that's how i roll anyway y'all that area would be that is an area that is on my bucket list is to go see that entire area you guys know how i like to roll i've told you guys before set a window of irresponsibility responsibly okay have this much time have this many days and then go and see what the world holds. I do not like to build a huge itinerary because it just, it suddenly you're like, Oh God, I'm running out of time to go do the other thing. Okay. Oh, we got to stay on schedule, schedule. And then it ruins the whole thing. Where's the freedom of adventure? Where's the excitement of the adventure? Where's the freedom of the road in that? Right? Like, like, okay, I generally know where I want to go and I generally know what's there that I want to see. Maybe there's one or two things that just are must haves, must do's beyond that. Y'all, the fun, the real fun is all the little in-between things. For everything that you see in a in a only in your state article, for every single thing that you find that's actually marked on Google Maps, there's hundreds of things within a few hundred miles of it that aren't there, that haven't been reported, that you haven't found out about, that other people don't consider to be as amazing, but might just knock your socks off. There's so much, some of the most amazing things I've seen and the most fun things I've found to do have been things that came up along the way when I had time to go and explore it. That's why I build my adventures the way that I do. And that's what I would like to do here is go up into that area and just explore. Hit the big things in Yellowstone because it's a have to deal. Go to the Grand Tetons and just explore everything. See what's there to see. Um, Go up in the mountains, hike all the places. Y'all, when you get into those areas, you start grabbing the brochures in town, you know, at your hotel, at your lodging, at your Airbnb, um, whenever you go in somewhere to eat and start seeing what's local or pull up Google Maps while you're there 
and start looking around, you ask the locals. If you're not a jerk, you will find out so much cool stuff just by asking somebody. Hey, how are you doing today? Yeah, man, you're from out of town doing my thing, blah, blah, blah. What's somewhere really cool that like you guys know about that like nobody else really goes and does? Y'all, you know, tell them what you're into. Gotta know any great places that are kind of off the beaten path where I can go find this or this. You'd be amazed. Just saying, being nice pays off way harder than the weird gratification some of you jerks get by being jerks. I don't know. Some of you guys just enjoy being assholes, and I don't know why, but you do. And I'm just saying, whatever that does for you in your soul does not nearly outweigh how much life better is if you're just nice to people. Anyway, I will die on that hill. Come at me. Anyway, anyway, I want to get up there and do Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and just explore that whole area. Explore all of that whole area because, guys, there is so much there. I mean, you look at the pictures of Yellowstone, you know. You already know what's there to see. you got to remember these national parks, these preserves, these national monuments, all these places where the actual center of activity really is for the area. Yeah, they may have some of the most amazing stuff within them protected, but they cannot protect everything and they can't own everything. You would be amazed how many things fall into state park jurisdictions just outside of these kinds of areas. You'd be amazed how many things don't fall into any jurisdiction, but are still out there to find with just a little bit of research and possibly a couple of days to drive and explore. That, that, that is where the wayward son's soul is right now, longing, pining away for those distant road trip adventures into the great unknown, into the vast expanses, all the things I've always wanted to see and maybe never been to see yet. That's where my heart and soul have been. God, we didn't even get halfway down my list. I want to talk about the Pacific Northwest. I'd love to do like a week long trip up the Pacific Coast Highway, maybe two weeks. Start down in Big Sur, go all the way up. Keep on trucking past the Golden Gate Bridge. Keep on trucking through Northern California and get up into Oregon and Washington. Really, really, really want to do that. Pacific Northwest is big time on my bucket list. The Northeast. I want to get up to Maine and Vermont. Like Those are things I had on the list tonight with some stuff to talk about, but we've now fully pushed past our hour. So I'm going to save those, y'all. If we get up in a bind again, I mean, as I am right now, not getting adventures, we may turn around and have another. We may have Nomad Spirit Sedentary Life Volume 2 here in a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months if I get into a tight spot. These kinds of episodes are a little bit easier to make. They just really honestly are, time-consuming-wise. And um, they don't require me to be extremely... Oh, what's the word? It's I've been talking for over an hour now, and you know how my brain gets, guys. But I, I don't have to be extremely inspired. I don't have to be struck by something as like, oh, I'm fired up to talk about this tonight. Because this is something where we can talk about really interesting stuff. I can talk about how I see it or things I've done like it. And we can get pretty darn good podcast out here and something to keep you guys entertained as you go through your work day. Or hopefully, I like to think, in my mind's eye, view inside Justin's mind. I record in here at night because in my mind, we're just telling stories. In a way, we're sitting around the bar. You guys are having a drink. I'm having an iced tea and I'm telling stories. We're talking. I'd love to be hearing your stories in return. To me, this is the kind of thing I hope in my mind. I always just picture you guys are sitting at home in your easy chair, drinking a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or what the heck ever. And we're just chilling together. That's how I like to picture it. But most likely you're listening while you work or something like that, like I do. And hopefully this provides entertainment for you to get you through whatever it is you do. I also like to imagine 
also like to imagine you're listening on road trips because that's what I do, not to my own podcast, but there are podcasts I love to listen to on long road trips. And I would like to think that I am one of your travel buddies. I'd like to be all of your travel buddies riding along with you guys as you're cruising down the road on some adventure of your own. Like I said a while ago, I care more about you people I've never met than you would probably believe, but it is what it is. And I hope you guys are out there living your lives regret free, no regrets. Get it tattooed across your chest and spell it R-A-G-R-E-T-S. Is that right? Is that how that was spelled? Ragrets, ragrets, regrets, no regrets. Anyway, anyway, we're going to call it an episode because I'm starting to get weird. I can tell it's time to shut it down for the night. Anyway, I'm glad you guys have joined us once again. Um, for another episode of Wayward Stories that makes my soul happy. You guys continue to come in every week. The downloads continue to rise. That is awesome. I see progress and I love it. As always, I hope that you will like and subscribe. I hope that you will share this and maybe your Facebook groups. I can always tell when that happens and we have huge jumps and downloads. It's awesome. I hear from people. I love it. I love it. So share it. Again, the subscriptions and the reviews are huge. If you guys are listening on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you're listening, if you get five seconds, you know, maybe literally two or three minutes and you feel frisky and and you want to support the show, just drop a line on there that you enjoy the show, give it a five-star rating and it helps immensely. Anything else that you guys would like to find out about what I've got going on, you can find out over at waywardstories.com. As always, that's where the nexus of all information is. You can listen to the show there. You can watch the YouTube there. It's all right there on the front page. Many other pages to explore over there if you wish to. Um, and other than that, I'd love to hear from you guys. Send me an email, mywaywardstory at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on Facebook Messenger. Uh, that's over from waywardstories.com. You can get to my social media pages. Y'all, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit the like button. That helps as well over on YouTube and um, remarks left. We've got a good friend that's always popping her head in as she is on her nomadic lifestyle, apparently all over the damn country. Crystal, always happy to have you listening as I'm sure you are tonight. Anyway, all of you guys out there, have a good week. I hope you have a better week than I have for the last two. And until we meet again, you guys go out there. Go out there and chase that nomad spirit. And uh, don't forget to be good to each other. We here at Studio 119 would like to all of you out there listening, wherever you might be. And though the hill might be steep, and the trail be rocky, the mountaintop, 